Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. Uh, you can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Thank you, music team. I appreciate it. You guys don't have to stand on account of me. Please, please have a seat. I'm really glad that you're here today because we get to talk about something that is absolutely foundational to who we are here at Real Life Church. It's not just about this building and the space, the way that we remodeled it and had moved several times until we got here, uh, or bought the entire building, or even the construction project outside with the parking lot. Uh, it, we're more than that. There's something about real life that sets us apart from other places of worship that are great. There are great places of worship. Some of the places that you may have even come from. So what makes real life church tick? What makes real life church who it is, right? And it has to do with all of you, doesn't it? it about the type of people that you are and the type of people that as we gather together, we are trying to develop and grow into a certain group of people, the way that we think about things, the way we go about things. Right? We want to be real people that are working really hard right? with all of our effort. We're striving to be like Jesus in our everyday life. That's the type of people we want to be. That's the vision that we have. And, and let's be honest, we're not there yet. right? We're still working towards that. And there's things in our life that uh, come up that make us feel like, uh, yeah, I'm still working on this, right? We, we all have issues and struggles and hang-ups that we have in our life, and, you know, we don't always talk about it with everyone. In fact, sometimes we like to, like, keep it secret, and, and that's okay. That's, that's actually healthy. I mean, you ever been around somebody that just tells you everything about them all the time, Right? Yeah, you try to avoid them, don't you? <laughs> like, I don't need to know that. I don't want those pictures in my head. Just stop talking. Would be nice. Yeah, don't tell me these things, right? So there's, there's a healthy of like, yeah, I've got some issues and struggles and hangups, and I need to keep them here. But I also know that I need to be able to share them. And if I'm around a group of people that are real, right, they've got issues and struggles and hangups, it, it makes it a safe place that I can admit at some place in life, in the church life, I can have conversations and just let them know, you know, I'm, I am struggling with something. I do have an, an issue. I, I do have a hang-up, right? And for us to be moving in that direction, the, the important thing about being a real person that's trying really hard to be like Jesus in their everyday life means that there, there needs to be a way to connect with Jesus, isn't there? Right? We just want to connect Jesus to our everyday life. That, that would be a helpful thing for us as we're a, a group of people that are wanting to be like Jesus. And there's something I've discovered here uh, of what it takes for you and for me and for all of us together to help connect Jesus to real people, right? If we're going to connect Jesus to real people, it takes, well, real people connected to Jesus, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it if we're going to connect Jesus to real people, it takes, yeah, 
real people connected to Jesus, right? And that's, that's where I want to go today as we talk about our, our real life values, this value of being a real person. Because we want to connect Jesus to a real person, a real everyday person like you, and, and then we want to be a person that's very real, that's connected to Jesus. We want to have that. And so I want to bring you through a place of what that looks like in practical, everyday life with your issues and your struggles and your hang-ups. Right? We're going to walk through that because it's crucial about who we are as a church. This is what sets us apart. And you're invited into that. Whatever level of that that you so choose to bring to Real Life Church, you're invited to be a part of this group. Okay? So let's, uh, let, let's just admit that there are issues out there that we have. There's struggles that some of you have, and, and there's, there's hang-ups that you have, right? Maybe, maybe the, the, that deep-felt shame that you carry, that actually you're, well, your abuser, the person that abused you growing up, they, they're the ones that carry, but it's a, it's a deep-rooted issue, right? It affects your everyday life. How do, how do we connect that with Jesus? Or maybe, maybe you have a struggle. It, you, your, your way of taking the pain and the hurt in, in your life and you self-medicate through sex and alcohol and drugs, well, that's, that's a moment-by-moment moment struggle for you. How do we take that and connect that with Jesus? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you just have a default towards being self-centered just focusing on yourself, and you're seeing how that impacts the relationships around you, right, in a, in a negative way, right? All of these things can be connected with Jesus so that you're a real person that's connected with Jesus that can find some healing and growth and development, and you can be a new type of person, Right? Well, let's start here. Let's start in a safe place. I'm not going to ask you to share your issues or struggles or hang-ups, okay? Um, do you want to know what my issue is? <laughs> no, somebody doesn't. Some of you probably know it all too well, right? So here's, here's my issue um, that I didn't even realize was an issue until um, I actually helped come along and start this church. It, in starting Real Life Church... I discovered I have an issue that I lived with my whole life that I didn't even know that I had. We have things like this in our lives so every once in a while, like you don't know what you don't know until something reveals it, right? Uh, sometimes that's a good friend. We like that. When a good friend reveals something about us, we feel safe. Um, a less fun way is when, you know, a spouse reveals it because they're not always tactful. Yeah, right? Yeah, but uh, this got revealed to me as, as I was uh, starting this church and working with this amazing group of people uh, to get Real Life Church to be Real Life Church, right? To be real people that are working really hard to be connected with Jesus and to connect other people with Jesus, right? And that, the issue that, that I discovered um, way back when was this issue of perfectionism. I never realized that I, I had this bend toward wanting to make something perfect. Like there, there was something about if I could, you know, preach a perfect message, right? Care for someone perfectly, have the perfect words to say when someone is hurting or whether they're joyful, right? 
that, that there's this bent towards perfectionism um, that actually was causing harm to myself because I could never achieve that perfect thing. Right? If I could just do one thing perfectly, it felt like man, then maybe I had some worth. Then maybe God would see that I have enough value. Maybe, maybe then I would be even be good enough to be a part of a group of people that are wanting to connect people with Jesus. Then I would. It's, it's a harmful thing. And it's completely self-centered, isn't it? Me, it's all on me. Now, I've got to do this perfectly. And then when I do it perfectly, oh, good, it looks, look how great I am. But I didn't realize it was there. It was just nagging there. And I, had, I actually went to uh, a therapist, um, actually connected with my seminary uh, education. You get to have a th- free therapist, which is like, awesome, good, I'll go and see you. And they helped me to reframe some things. Because as I thought about doing something perfectly, other words got connected to that perfect thing. Like, did you do a good job? That feels like perfect. Did you do it right? That feels like perfect. And so I, I needed to reframe how I would talk about doing things in a way that was actually helpful. And there, there's a scripture that helped me to see that. And we'll get into that here in a second. But here's the other side of this perfectionism thing. Uh, not only do I want to share my own um, issue that I struggle with, but um, I want to share what my wife's issue is. You know what her issue is? Me, still me. No, I'm, I'm her issue, and it's because of the perfectionism thing. If I'm wanting to do something perfect, if I'm focused on getting it done right and doing it good and it, all that it encompasses, guess what overflows into her? Do it perfectly. Do it the right way, which is, of course, my way, right? right? If you're going to do it a good job of it, then it's this way, and, and, it, and it, it starts to deteriorate the relationship. It causes all this friction and stress that doesn't need to be there because now I'm trying to make her do something that is completely unachievable, right? And, and it destroys that. It ruins that. So... Perfectionism is not something to put on your resume as a, as a, a, a weakness. Tell me some of your growth areas, where you're strong, and tell me where you're, you're weak. And what do you hear that a cliche? Well, I'm a perfectionist, right? My, my, my weakness is being a perfectionist. I just do things too perfectly. In fact, I'm perfect. I'm the perfect candidate for this job. You should hire me. I'm perfect, Right? It's, it's like this false thing. There's nothing good about being a perfectionist. There really isn't because it's completely self-centered and it starts destroying relationships around you because you're trying to accomplish something that's completely unachievable. But I told you, I got help with this over years and I've gotten to a place where I can reframe how I think about things. And there's a scripture that helped me to do that through therapy, of course, but that's connected to Jesus. How do you take perfectionism and connect that with Jesus and come out with something else, a new way to grow, right? And, and let's be honest, the first thing we would do is we'd pray that God would help us not to be perfectionists, right? We'd take it away, remove it from me, right? That's what we do in our life. When things don't go the way we want them to, we want God to fix it, one. Two, if it's still not fixed and it's always there, God, take it away, remove it. 
remove it from us. And I'm not alone in this. I know this. You're not alone in this. In fact, there's a really super smart uh, person from the Bible that met Jesus face to face, and it changed his life to where he went from uh, trying to stop this Jesus movement to actually being one of the most uh, biggest promoters of it and started churches and ended up going to prison for it. His name is Paul, and uh, he had something in his life that was always there just nagging at him, something that he asked Jesus to take away, to remove it. He, he actually calls it a thorn in his flesh. Right? You ever have a thorn like stuck in your finger or a sliver or something like that? It just It's not like it causes a lot of harm, but it just is always there, and you just want to get it out. In fact, you get so focused on it, you stop focusing on other things, and you're just like, I just need to get this out. And you can't leave it alone until you get it out. And I, I feel like our, our issues and our struggles and our hang-ups can be like that, especially if they're not fixed right, or removed from our lives. And that's what Paul is wanting to have happen. Like, take this thing that whatever it is, this thorn in his flesh, this issue, this struggle, this hang-up, whatever it might be, out, right, take it out. Uh, and so he asks God this three times. And there's a response there that helps me in, in my own wrestling with and struggle with and the issue of perfectionism. And I think can help you as well with whatever your issue is, whatever your struggle is, and whatever your hang-up. So here's, here's what uh, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 8 and 10. Here's what he says. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away, right? begging God to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And Paul continued on. He says, so now, that changed him. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in, my, in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the thing that, that this power of Jesus does. When we are working really hard at wanting to be connected with Jesus, right? When we're striving for that. That's something that we feel we can accomplish and be brought into, and we're invited into this. There's a change that happens because of the power of Jesus. It changed for Paul. Now, now, now did it get taken away? Did the, whatever this thorn in his flesh, did it get taken away? Did it disqualify him from being in a relationship with Jesus? No, it actually, it's actually a qualification, Right? This thing that you see as a weakness in you, something that you feel is a limitation, well, it's actually that very place that, that God's power comes into your life and helps you to be more like Jesus and allows Jesus to work through you. You're going to connect 
Jesus to real people. It takes real people connected with Jesus. This is a real person that's connected with Jesus, and he, he learns something, that it, it's not about something being taken away and, and you're perfect now, and now God can use you. It's actually in your imperfection, in your issue, in your hang-up, in your struggle that you're going through, whatever it is, that in, in that is where God's power is really at work, right? That gives hope to me. That it gave hope to me. As I, I see this, is not about removing perfectionism from my life at all. But it's still part of my life, but how can I now think about it differently? And so instead of saying, I did this good, which feels too perfectionistic for me, or did it right, everything was right, right? Did I do it perfectly? I have a new way to think about it. Yeah, I've, I've got limitations. I don't have everything figured out, but did I do it well? I can answer that with a yes. Yeah, I did it well. It actually opens it up to take feedback and allow myself to go like, yeah, I didn't have to have it perfect, but it, it, it was done well. And if I answer, I'm like, no, I didn't do that well. Okay, what could you do so that you could say, yes, you did it well? And it overflows into other people, right? It, it overflows now to other people. I don't ask them to do it perfectly or anything like that. I was like, did you do it well? Because I think you did it well. Did you do it well? And if they can say, yeah, we did it well, great, we celebrate that. We did this well. And if you didn't do it well, okay, what, what can we do so that you can answer, I did it well? I, I think this works for a lot of issues and struggles and hang-ups that we have. That it's not about God removing it from you, but allowing that area that seems like a weakness for God's power to work. Do you know this, this word that gets translated grace? Uh, it's kind of a strange word because I don't think we really know <laughs> what this word means, right? Uh, we might know like a ballerina is graceful, right? They dance and it's very graceful. Uh, maybe you say grace at the dinner table means praying, right? Uh, but what is this grace that's talked about? And, and it's, it's a word that really should be translated gift. It's, it's a gift. It's something that's given. And this is God's gift to you. You didn't earn this gift, right? It's not like you were perfect and God's like, oh, okay, I'll give you a gift because you're perfect. It's actually different. It's just God likes you. He, he, God, God, you have found favor in some way in God's eyes. I don't know why. Why do you like me? Right? Like, God likes you. He loves you. He, he's just going to give you this gift to you. That's God's gift. What is God's gift? Well, was it not that his power in your weakness? That's a really nice gift. Is it, is it his love? You don't have to worry about whether you earn it or not. It's just, I'm going to give you this. I'm just going to love you. That's a nice gift, right? Mercy, Maybe some horrible things you did in your life because of your issue, your struggle, right? Your hang-up. And God's like, 
you deserve this, but instead I'm going to be merciful and not let you have to suffer those consequences. That's a nice gift. How about forgiveness? Forgiveness is a really nice gift. That, that we cannot be, it counted against us, the things we have done. Because of our issue, maybe because of our struggle, because of our hang-up. Gives us a way that we can be forgiven. That's a really nice gift. God's power and presence in your life to connect you as a real person to Jesus, that's a great gift. That's a great gift. And maybe your issue or your struggle or your hang-up is accepting that gift. I get that. That's hard. But we have actually a, a very symbolic way of seeing that gift in action, don't we? We, we have this thing that, that um, Jesus took for us, to show us the gift that he has given to us, right? He takes these couple of things to represent him, doesn't he? He takes this thing here called uh, his body and blood, right? He gives us these little symbols that when we, when we take this, we're remembering the gift of his actual presence here with us. His body. That's a nice gift. Right? That's a really nice gift. Or maybe, as we think about his blood, which I know can feel really gross, right? In our, in our mind, like blood is an icky thing, right? But if you get into the mindset of Jesus, and he talks about his blood, you... you maybe are remembering back to your study of Leviticus. Huh? You remember that, don't you? Uh, you remember how they take blood of an, of an animal that is without any blemish, right? It's complete whole. There's no disease or imperfection in it, right? And they take that animal and they, they, they kill it and they take the blood and they, they splatter it on things. They pour it out around the altar, right? You remember this study? Guys, right? And what is that blood? What's in the blood? The life of that animal without blemish, without imperfection, right? And so when God looks down at whoever's splattered with this blood, what does he see? A perfect life. Jesus, come on, talking Leviticus here. Jesus right? Without blemish, without fault, perfectly walking with God the Father, his life is offered for us. And when we symbolically take this, we are acknowledging that his life is our life. That's nice, right? God sees that perfect life, the whole life, the life of Jesus. And you get to be invited in. That's a nice gift, isn't it? So I really do invite you to seriously consider taking communion today. 
remembering Jesus' not only body, right, his presence with us, but his life given for us, given to us. What a gift that is. So just think about maybe an issue that you have. What's your issue? What's your struggle? What's your hang-up? It's not about God taking it away and removing it, but it's about Jesus' power and presence in the midst of that weak area so that you can be strong. That's a nice gift. So I invite you to be thinking about that issue or struggle or hang-up. And if you can't think of one, you're going to have a really tough time being a real person, right, connected to Jesus. So take some time to think about that. And then as, as you think of that thing, realize that Jesus is not going to take that away, but he's going to work through that. And that's okay. It's a good thing. And then I want you to come up and you can take communion, take a cracker and take a, a little cup of juice, and you can take that back to your seat and you can think about it some more before you actually take them. And you take that on your own, at your own time, at your own pace. Um, there's, of course, here uh, or in the back uh, sides there as well. Uh, and then for those that are at home, please go ahead and take the time to do this as well. Let me pray as we enter in this time of communion. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the gift of your power and your presence and your life that you give to us. May your strength work through our weakness. Help us, Lord Jesus, connect with you this morning. Amen. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecove.com. Thanks for listening.